Welcome back to the Rumor Flies podcast. I'm your host here, Josh. And I'm Ryan. And today we are going to talk about sports. Wait, 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 wait. We forgot our buddy Greg with In-Depth Media. Oh, shit. Hey, Greg. Back from his accident. The accident in air quotes. We won't talk about it. You'll learn about that later on. We won't talk about it. But still direct all hate mail to Greg at Rumor Flies Podcast, please. I don't know if Greg knows about that Yeah, Greg doesn't know about that yet. We got some catching up to do later, buddy. Okay. Okay. So today we're going to talk about sports um, and myths, legends, and things of that that concern it. It, It's going to be really interesting. We got some pretty cool stuff in store for you guys. I think you guys are going to like what we have to say. Talk about stuff like... Football and hand egg and you know bat ball, all those things. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the back seat for the most part for this episode. I'm gonna have some things contribute, but Josh here happens to be the guru here. I believe that was your uh, your nickname in your fantasy league. I mean, it, it's just what they call me. They call me guru. And, and what did you finish in last season? I won the whole thing. You did? I won the whole thing. Uh-huh. Against the best team that I've ever seen in my life. I swear to God, I won the whole thing somehow. Dude, your eyes are turning from blue to brown right oh now. Oh, my God. The you're full of shit. Oh, my God. I swear to God, I won the whole thing. Uh-huh. We're going to talk uh, to a few friends about that later. <laughs> but, uh... No, but Josh, he's he's our sports guy right now. He actually... Uh, I'm going to toot his horn so he doesn't have to toot his own. He toot, actually toot. writes for a fantasy website. He freelances a little bit, so... If anybody doesn't know what a fantasy league is, it's um, a league talking about stuff like, uh, say, like, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but a fantasy league is pretty much stuff involving like um, Quidditch from Harry Potter. Yes. Or let's see, uh, I guess the Battle School from Ender's Game would count for that. We so just he, we just integrated BattleBots, actually. Oh, BattleBots yes. is fantasy? We just integrated BattleBots recently. That, they did. They did. And they got renewed for like two more seasons or something like that. Awesome. But, yeah. I actually, yeah, I do write for a website. It's actually called fakepigskin.com if you want to check out my work on there. Shameless plug. Did I just hear something get plugged in? Yep. Yep. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But Ryan's going to actually start it off here, and he's got a pretty interesting thing about the marathon. Ryan, why don't you get us started? Right. So if anybody is uninitiated to the marathon, it is one of the most famous running competitions <laughs> uh, in modern day. And uh, pretty much it is about a 26.2 mile run, and it is generally believed to be because of a ancient tradition of, well, I guess running to announce a victory, then promptly dying. <laughs> I was like, I mean, it, that was like the big thing back then. You had like the gladiator arenas and now you have like the marathon right so i mean you would think that like actually no i think we have football no we have ufc that's totally gladiators now yeah uh, absolutely yeah um it's totally gladiators but anyway so the marathon is 26.2 miles and it actually doesn't transfer into a solid kilometer number either um, and a lot of people believe that it's because of the myth of Pheidippides, uh, which isn't actually a myth. Supposedly, it actually happened. The idea is that Pheidippides in 490 BC was running all the way from the Battle of Marathon to Athens in Greece to announce the victory over the Persians. And when he did, he showed up and he said uh, something to the amount of joy, we are victorious. And then he died. Oh, sh- so he ran, was it 26.2 miles? Well, we're going to get into that a little okay. bit. So that's uh, why they said, believe that it was uh, brought to 26.2 miles. Not too many people have died from running a marathon modern day, but we believe it's because Pheidippides skipped leg day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <bruh>. <laughs> I mean, it happens occasionally. <laughs> that's fucking great. That's great. 
So the marathon was actually not incorporated into the Olympic Games during the original run of it from 776 BC to 393 AD. You know, the best times. It's before it started tapering down. Like I feel like the original series was better. You, you know? mean like the glory days before doping became a thing? Yeah, when everybody did it naked. <laughs> <laughs> Just dicks flopping everywhere in the arenas. Hey, there were boobs and vaginas too. Were there? Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I'm not, you know, doubting you. I just, I don't know how involved women were back then. I mean, not everybody wants to see just dicks, but you know. You don't know that. You got to have equal opportunity stuff back then. The Greeks were, the Greeks were progressive people. Yeah, they were. Okay. Not really. But you know what? We'll go with it. Anyway. So uh, when the Olympics were brought back, uh, they incorporated the marathon in 1908. And they were trying to set a distance for it. And it turns out that the distance between Marathon and Athens is not actually 26.2 miles. It is roughly 40 kilometers or 25 miles. The reason why it was set to 26.2 is because of royalty. Queen Alexandra at the time was... This is for you, Brandon Bruce. I think my boy told me about this like two months ago. He said it this way, then he heard it. Well, f- why didn't we get him on here? <laughs> I could have saved us all some heartache and some research. And he says you feel that extra 1.2. Made me look stuff <laughs> up. I mean, I've, n- I've never ran a marathon. I don't plan on running a marathon. Yes, but I I mean, for me personally, that if I'm doing 25 miles, I'm doing goddamn 26.2 miles. I mean, the most I've done is a half, but I really do want to do a marathon eventually. I, you know, who knows? I, I-, I plan to one day. But we'll see. Anyway, so 26.2 miles was the distance that was set during the 1908 Olympics. And it's because Queen Alexandra decided that she really, really, really didn't want to be inconvenienced. She was into this whole hosting the Olympics thing. But as long as it really wasn't that big of a deal to her. (laughs) So she wanted the race of the marathon to start on the lawn of Windsor Castle and end right in front of the Royal Box in the Olympic Stadium. So she pretty much set the bar for what a marathon would be ages to come. And it probably will stay at that for a very long time unless there's somebody else who's very much more pampered and decides they want to change the distance of a marathon. Um, So it's just like, yeah, you know, 25 miles is pretty impressive. But we're going to see if we can just get, you know, a few people to not die in the 1.2 extra miles. So anyway, uh, props to Phidippides for making the run. Sorry you had to die. Um... (laughs) Did they actually determine how long he actually ran? Like, is there like a rough guesstimate? Yeah, I mean, they apparently measured it to about 40 kilometers, which is just under 25 miles. So so he ran like, so how is it that he ran 25 miles, died, and we can run over that and be like, oh, I'm going to go get a beer. Well, because he was a bitch. I mean, <laughs> he, he made the run and everything, but like... You see, most people today, it's just kind of like, we run a marathon every other weekend or something like that. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. is like, it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's trivial because it's awesome if you run a marathon. But you have people that literally probably crank out 10 marathons a year. And they're like, yeah, you know, my heart's in great condition. And Phidippides ran less than that and he didn't make it. We beat the Persians. <laughs> they show up and just... <laughs> Oh my god, that's perfect. That's I mean, perfect. like I said, Phidippides died because he skipped leg day. Yeah. That's what we're going to have to go with. I guess so. I he guess. died from intense leg cramps. Kids, that's why you stretch after the workout in addition to before. And sometimes during. And sometimes during. I've done that too. God, that sucks. Anyway, enough about Phidippides. Thank you for announcing that victory. And thank you, Queen Alexandra, for making it harder on everybody. Josh, what you got? So we're going to go into Doc Ellis now. And Doc Ellis, for those of you who don't know was a pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, 
1970, on June 12th, against the San Diego Padres, he pitched a no-hitter. Now, a no-hitter is a pretty big deal in Major League Baseball. It's not something that happens that often, but you probably get, you know, one or two at least uh, every season. So out of 162 games across 30 teams, you know, that's what, you know, well over 5,000 games, if my math serves me correctly. I'm not, uh, something around there, but you probably get, you know, a couple perfect games. This, uh, I'm sorry, a couple no hitters. Perfect games are much more rare, but you get a couple no hitters uh, every year. And he pitched one. But the thing about Doc Ellis that was so different than the other ones, that he claims to have been on LSD while doing so. And, you know, there's no exact way to sit here and determine whether he actually was on LSD because this was the 70s and a lot of people were doing drugs. They could have spinal tapped the mother. I guess they could, but they weren't really looking to make sure that he was on LSD afterwards because it didn't come out till a long time afterwards that he was that he was on LSD. But at the time, you know, nobody said they saw anything different, but he claims to have been on LSD while he pitched pitched that no hitter. And it's it's interesting because he was off that day. And now with with major league clubs, you know, if you're a pitcher rule of thumb is, you know, you start, you know, you have a, a starting spot once every five days now. Back then, once you pitched, you were just kind of off for a couple days and you were expected to just rejoin the team eventually when it became time for you to pitch. So he was in, I believe, Los Angeles with a girl at the time, and he decided to take a hit of LSD, he said, around noon. So about 12, 12 o'clock, he takes a hit of LSD, and then a couple hours later, his girl that he's with is reading the paper. I guess she could read, and she wasn't LSD, I'm not really sure. But she read in the paper that he was starting that night, and that was his, oh my God, I've done fucked up moment. And he realized that he needed to get the hell to San Diego as quick as possible. So he caught a flight from L.A. over to San Diego, and he made it with about an hour and a half to spare. It would have been a much wackier story if he drove. I, oh my God, I can imagine. I don't think you can make it from L.A. to San Diego in, in that time. I don't really know the distance, but I'm assuming that taking a flight was his best option you know, regardless of the fact whether he was on LSD or not. Somebody drive from L.A. to San Diego, then right into it. <laughs> yeah, please. We want a, an actual, you know, screenshot of the uh, the stopwatch that you use so we can tell how long it took. And don't give us that Google Maps bullshit. We know how wrong they can be. I know. They full of shit. They don't take the best route available. And they drive the speed limit. Come on. Plus, now that Morgan Freeman's voice is available in Waze, why would you not use that? <sighs> right? All right. So I think it's pretty interesting. I actually have an... Please, Waze. If you could sponsor us, that'd be fantastic. With Morgan Freeman's voice, by the way. That would be even better. But I think it's really cool. There's an excerpt that he wrote, and I think it's pretty entertaining, if even if it's not true. But Doc Ellis went on to say, I can only remember bits and pieces of the game. I was psyched. I had a feeling of euphoria, which I'm assuming that's what happens with an LSD. I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. He said, I was zeroed in on the catcher's glove, but I didn't hit the glove too much. I remember hitting the couple batters, but the bases were loaded a couple times, and I don't really remember. Sometimes I saw the catcher, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes I tried to stare the hitter down while I throw the ball, and sometimes that didn't work. I chewed my gum until it was powder. I started having a crazy idea in the fourth inning that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire, and <laughs> and once I thought I was pitching to Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> he was using his guitar as a bat to swing and hit, my, hit the pitches. Jesus, I was going to come up with some bull. Funny stuff to talk about this, <laughs> no. but I didn't even hear about that. That's <laughs> nope. That he actually said that's what he saw, and uh, he said that one time there was a line drive that was hit, and he thought it was 
<laughs> he thought it was headed towards him. So the ball was hit. He jumped to get it, but the ball never came remotely close to him. Jesus, way to raise the bar above Pete Rose and Babe Ruth. I they know, were right? Just drunk during their games. <laughs> so he thought that at one point Richard Nixon was calling balls and strikes. Another time, Jimi Hendrix was up there swinging his guitar. Just clarifying real quick. Doc wasn't his real name, right? Yeah. That was his real name? Yeah, D-O-C-K. Oh, man. His parents set the bar way too high. Yeah, I mean, D-O-C-K. That's his first name. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if that worked out well with Dr. Doc. Oh, uh, well, I know Mr. Mister. Really? Uh, well, his, he was a teacher. His first name was Mister, so he was Mr. Mister. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's more. Well, I knew somebody named Guy. I like that better, Mister Guy. Mister Guy. Mister Guy. Hey, Guy. How you doing, Guy? But yeah, so I mean, you can't make this shit up. I mean, th- that's what he said. And I bet I can make some shit up. Well, I bet you could fucking too, Ryan. But I'm just saying, Doc Ellis claims that he was an LSD, and there was reports and there's documented evidence that he was severely addicted to amphetamines back back in the 70s during the season. But if there's any any silver lining that came out of all of this, he said that from that point on in his career, he never did LSD again during the baseball season. Oh, man, I don't think I could deal with two no hitters. <laughs> so he stuck to when when the season was in order for him to take LSD. So when it was time to pitch and do his job, he didn't do it on his own time. Drop acid. Just stick with the amphetamines and ketamine, man. That's exactly it. Nothing like some good old horse tranquilizer. So, I mean, but I bet if he got hit by a ball, he wouldn't really feel anything. I mean, I can't imagine it wouldn't have hurt him. Well, LSD's not analgesic. He just probably wouldn't have cared about it as much. Yeah, I know he wouldn't have cared about it. But but I thought that was a nice lead into what you're going to talk about next with the injury rates in sports. Oh, yeah. So generally, when we're looking at something, this is going to be a statistical little factoid we're going to go with right now. Yeah, so a lot of people believe that in the wide world of sports that football and rugby, maybe UFC are probably the ones where it's going to be the most injuries that were reported, right? I mean, it's a reasonable thing to think of, especially with all the CTEs going on with football right now. Just people getting concussed all over the place and going home and, you know, shooting themselves. Well, Um, well, not even... Oh, Jesus Christ. Not even with that. It happens. No, 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 you're right, you're right. But I'm just saying that... There's actually been a like a sudden increase in the amount of ACL tears in the NFL in particular. Like every at the end of every season, they make an all ACL team of players that lost their season at some point because they tore the ACL, and it's usually pretty good players. I mean, they're they say that the, the reason being is that less players are doing drugs because of the stricter testing on HGH and other you know steroids and stuff like that. But I, I mean, if you had to ask me right now. I would say that the number one and number two, I, I'd probably put football one and I'd probably put hockey two for most injuries in sports. All right. Well, we're going to go into that. Um, this is a little bit data statistics that I was able to dig up. But according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission's National Electronic Injury Surveillance System, That's right, uh, from 2006, we're going by the gross numbers of injuries reported. So this isn't uh, averages or anything like that or even percentages. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, football is not number one. Really? Yes. Huh. Football is number three. Uh, I think we go from the bottom up. Okay. Of uh, the top five. So we're starting from the bottom. Now we're here. And we're not here yet. Oh, okay. We're, we're getting, getting here. We're, we're, getting, we're there. getting here, man. <laughs> okay. Slow the f- down. <laughs> Sorry. Greg's rolling his eyes at me. So he knows I'm right. Number five, the great American pastime, baseball. <laughs> Or the softer great American pastime, softball. 
These are grouped together with about 274,000 reported injuries in 2006. Wow. I know, right. I know there's a lot more Tommy John surgeries being needed. People blowing out their arms a lot more. It's a big problem with kids, actually. There's there's actually rules. I know I'm kind of going kids to Kids these days here. blowing out no, their arms. it's actually true. Kids are starting to throw curveballs more in games, and it's gotten to the point to where there are leagues that either A, outlaw curveballs altogether, or B, limit you to three curveballs per game. So how can we blame the parents? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I, they got to learn it from somewhere. So I guess I'm assuming that it's it's the parents' fault. I learned it from you, Dad. <laughs> this is your fault, Dad. I saw you pitching at the fence. <laughs> so I mean, no, but I mean that makes sense. I I would imagine that number is like is going to get bigger because kids are starting to pitch more. I mean, and think about it: the throwing motion of a pitcher, that's not natural. Right. I mean. There's nothing that I can think of that I've ever done that required me to throw something as hard as I could at a specific place. Well, softball is included in this too. So nothing I've ever done, literally, since I've never played a game of softball, <laughs> has required me to windmill my arm like crazy and then just, you know, end up having it go straight towards the target. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's, it's the same concept. Yeah. So anyway, number four. Number four is not too big a surprise. Motorsports, including ATVs and dirt bikes. That comes in at 275,000. So they just edged out baseball. Yeah, so only a thousand more people. Uh, okay. Yeah, I I feel like that's more of kind of the not exactly backwoods, but more of the rural areas getting injured. Yeah. And I, you mm-hmm. know, I I venture to say that the injury rate is probably higher than what's reported because I mean, who's really going to report every little thing? Yeah. Uh, over there, people are tough. If they break an arm, it's just kind of like there's no need to go to the hospital. We know your arm's broken. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can make a cast out of just about anything. Yeah, but to. Pieces that sticks together and duct tape, and we're good to go for the next six Dude, weeks. Duct tape fixes everything. It does fix everything. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, let's see. And then number three, <laughs> here comes the big jump. So we go from 275,000 to 490,000 injuries in 2006 with wow. football. Wow. I yeah. thought it'd be more than that, to be honest, though. Really? I mean, this is a pretty obvious answer. This is a, this is. One of the most contact sports possible. And not only that, I mean, sometimes uh, padded football versus non-padded football can make a big difference in injury rates. It just it changes which injuries you get depending on what you're wearing. Um, a lot of people, one of the main things is you, you played football in high school. What's the main thing you do if you're tackling? You keep your head up. Exactly. So you don't break your neck. A lot of this is accounted from people breaking their necks from keeping their head down. Yeah, I mean, they, NFL has made a has made an effort to do away with hitting defenseless receivers. I'm doing air quotes for right. defenseless receivers because we don't know what we, we, yeah, we don't know what a defenseless receiver is. Thanks NFL. But that they're making an effort towards that. And they're starting these, uh, you know, campaigns for coaches to get more involved, to understand what the best way to tackle and the best form and techniques and stuff like that. So they're making an effort, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised one bit. Yeah. Well, uh, one of our guys in the saints, Delvin bro, uh, yeah, he, he broke his neck uh, in college, high yeah, school, college. He's is a miracle story because he's in the NFL now, and he is one of those guys that broke his neck and didn't ruin his career forever. I mean, he's throwing penalties like crazy every game. Well, I mean, you got, you got, yeah, you know. I mean, to put it this way, to go from breaking your neck, playing in the Canadian Football League, to being probably one of the top ten corners in the league, you can get a penalty every once in a while. I mean, I really feel like he's trying to, like, get collectively more penalties than the entire Seahawks defense. No, that's Brandon Browner. 
Oh, yeah, that's yeah, true. No, he's the one that he's good for like four game. Thank God. Spoiler alert. I don't. It's uh, February 24th. We're going to cut his ass before the end of March. Just going to let y'all know. Oh, we're losing Colston, by the way. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, that's sad. Okay, Quiet so, storm. So now people can tell exactly when we recorded this. <laughs> um, oh, well. All right. So coming in at number two is a little bit of surprise until we go into it. Why it's not one. Cycling with 490,000 as well. Uh, I feel like they rounded off, so it's a little bit higher yeah, um, okay. than football. But those are neck and neck right there. So you mean that riding a bicycle is more dangerous than running into someone? Uh, it depends. Okay. And then finally, we have the number one. I'm not even going to say it. What do you think it is? Hockey. Yeah. Hockey, it, I would say that would be a good one. I mean, that's one of the only games where it is totally reasonable for you to be able to lose your finger. Yeah, or teeth. Yeah, or teeth. Or you can lose tons of body parts from playing hockey. <laughs> a lot of shit can go you wrong. You have on the so ice. many different weapons attached to you. Yeah, it, not only that. I mean, you're literally hitting an object that's going what 40, 50 miles an hour, if not faster. I don't know how fast shit goes in hockey. We don't have ice down here, but I know it's it doesn't feel good. If the Mighty Ducks taught me anything, it doesn't feel good to get hit by a puck. Well, good old Canada ball did not make the cut. Really? What's yes. number one? Number one is basketball. Are you serious? Topping in at 529,000 reported injuries in 2006. I think that has more to do with basketball players being vaginas than anything. You know, that could be it, but we're only t- we're not only accounting for Major League here. Nah, okay. So the reason why these numbers make sense to me, at least, is because when you think about it, football is not one of the sports that people just go out at any given time and play it. Basketball, go by any uh, playground or anything, you can probably see at least a couple people playing. Yeah. And then people can easily get injured. It goes by the things where, A, you have to have uh, a fair amount of contact. So naturally, uh, basketball, even though it's not technically a contact sport, people are always all over each other, stuffing each other, getting fouled or fouling. It's going to happen. I mean, there's a giant ball that can hit your face, too. There's tons of injuries that can happen (laughs) from basketballs. So I, I'm I'm gonna kind of I I think thinking about it you know I'm gonna kind of jump in here, it kind of makes sense because let's look at it this way, when you play football, the NFL only plays 16 games. When you play basketball, you play at 82. Right. So even in college, you probably round out about like what 40 games or something like that, 50 games. Uh, it's probably around 40, somewhere in there. So I mean, you're playing. I guess the more times you play the more opportunities you have to get injured. I guess that makes sense. Right, and that's accounting for, I mean, once again, it's one of those games where nobody just goes on and does impromptu 1v1 football. People go, you know, toe-to-toe on the court all the time. And cycling coming in at number two is not a surprise at all because cycling is not only a sport, it's a mode of transportation. Yeah. People can get hit by cars all the time while cycling. I know several people that have. (laughs) Um, So, And then let's go with motorsports as well. That's another thing where it doesn't really require any coordinated teamwork or anything professional to do. Football, you kind of have to get at least a certain threshold of people together to actually play a proper game of football. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's practice and everything, but usually it isn't just two people tackling each other over and over unless they're really hardcore about it or their dad is a really big overachiever for their children. (laughs) Unless somebody's dad's a really big douchebag making them go out there at 8 o'clock in the morning to... Do you know the Oklahoma drill, which I've had people do? So thanks a lot for that. I like to wake up in the morning on a Saturday, bring my two kids, the older and the younger, out to the field, pop open a Bud Light, <laughs> and watch my two sons try to kill each other. I love the smell of blood on fresh grass in the morning. Right? Uh, yeah. And then we cut that grass afterwards. <laughs> 
Oh my god, that's perfect. Broken ankle or not? Yeah, that's right. That uh, that's a particular friend of ours we're talking about, but yeah. right. Anyway, so we're segueing from that football into another portion of football, which is college football. Now, I'm going to be talking about someone here that many of you, many of you know from the movie Rudy, Rudy Rudiger. Uh, Ryan, have you seen the movie Rudy? Yep. Greg, Rudy. Yes, sir. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, the movie Rudy. I'm saying the movie Rudy because there is slight differences from the movie in real life, but and the radio drama. And <laughs> there's a radio drama, Rudy. No. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be surprised. You never know what NPR does these days. That's all I'm saying. So in the movie, Rudy tries to go to Notre Dame. He works in a factory. He decides he wants to go to college. Can't get in because he's too stupid. And they decide that since he can't get in Notre Dame, he's going to go to like a junior college. Goes there for a couple years. Then transfers over to Notre Dame. Really wants to play football. Walks onto the team. He's basically a hit and dummy for a little while, which means that he's on the practice squad People just beat the shit out of him because he's not literally, but on the football field because he's smaller. And then the last game of the season, he gets the dress out for the coat for the mean coach that didn't want the dress out. And then he gets on the field and his first play, he sacks the quarterback and the Notre Dame, the, the whole team, they put him on his shoulders and they carry him off. And it's this great grand hurrah. And Sam Wise plays him the whole time, so it's wonderful. So it's like an alternate Lord of the Rings tale. Wow, they made a movie about that? Yeah. No, no, that's that's like a TLDR of the whole movie. But in reality, Rudy Rudiger, um, the, the, the big thing about this is people are like, oh, Rudy, he only played one play and he got a sack. That's all that shows up in the stats column. It's so awesome. He's a, he's, the, he's a great college football player. And that's just complete bullshit. Well, in all fairness, most males on the field have sacks. No, yeah, I guess that's true. But so in real life, the real Rudy Rudiger, real Rudy Rudiger. I know I'm just glossing over it. I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm just I'm going to pretend like it didn't happen. Welcome to the party, Greg. He's looking at me all confused and everything. Like, oh, my God. That's hilarious. OK, so Rudy in real life was like five foot six and one hundred and sixty five pounds. So, Ryan, he probably wasn't much bigger than you. And, and like, that real Rudy Rudiger. Mm, he's an inch taller than me and, uh, yeah, about 20 pounds heavier than me. But would you feel better an inch taller and 20 pounds heavier playing football against collegiate athletes? No, that'd be great unless I was getting my ass kicked. Especially on the defensive line. Oh. Yeah. He's got some guts. I mean, granted, it was, you know, it was a long time ago, so they didn't have quite as big, you know, players. He's got some sack on him. Yeah. Oh, does he have some sack on him? All right. So, and you know, that was the big thing about Rudy and like the, the, the movie, it, it was pretty accurate. You know, a uh, tidbit, Vince Vaughn's acting debut for anyone who didn't know, debuted in the movie Rudy before he hit swingers and all that stuff. And before he ended with this piece of shit, true detective season two. Hey, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. It just wasn't my thing. We'll go into We'll go into that later. But back to Rudy. A.K.A. Simon Birch Sr. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> uh, he he actually played more than one play. He played three <laughs> plays. Sorry. He played three plays. He actually played on the kickoff. He played another play where the, was it UCLA, I believe they were playing. Uh, the quarterback threw an incomplete pass. And then on the third play, he actually sacked the quarterback. But I'm calling bullshit on that. I had, In the show notes, I have a YouTube video of his three plays. And the play where he sacks the quarterback, it's kind of like he was at the right place at the right time. It wasn't like he made this big heroic spin move or because you know, he didn't swim because he was too small. 
I'm talking like a, a swim move, not actually like jumping a lake in the middle of the field. But there's a football technique called the swim move. It was kind of like Sirhan Sirhan being in the cafe right when the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was driving by and everything and happened to have been his Yeah, target, like you know? I'm going to eat a sandwich and I want to assassinate this guy, but it didn't work out. So I'm going to look out the window and he just happens to be there. So I'll take out my gun and kill him. Okay. Yeah. So he was just right place, right time kind of thing. Very similar. So when Rudy shoots the quarterback. <laughs> and then World War II starts. Uh, but no, so many things are wrong with everything. Everything. We just said. Dan Carlin is is just cringing so I hard right I now. So he's just kind of right place, right time. But he was carried off at the end. You know, the end of the game, and they Notre Dame put him on their shoulders, and he was like a great tail or whatever. But I think it's really interesting what happened afterwards because. You would think like, oh man, this great story, and he goes on to be this great person who does all these great things. When in actual, you know, in reality, he went on to be an insurance salesman who failed miserably because he tried to be a motivational speaker, except he doesn't motivate anybody because he didn't really do anything. He was playing in a game that they were winning like 38 to 3, and he was just kind of fell in the quarterback before anybody else did. I'm not trying to be an asshole here, but I'm being an asshole because Rudy gets way too much credit than he should. No, I'm just thinking about the whole motivational thing. Because I think about him being in a speech is like, me, I succeeded in life because I found that dude that was right by me at the right time. Exactly. You guys need to find that dude that's right around you at the right time. You don't... Find your metaphorical quarterback that runs by you. <laughs> exactly. You don't need to be great. You just need to surround yourself with great people with 47 Lamborghinis in your garage. And take advantage of them and tackle them to make them look worse than you. Exactly. It's not about you being be- being the best. It's about everybody else being worse than you. It's, it's not about me succeeding. It's, it's about, about everybody else failing. failing. Exactly. Exactly. Ryan, you get it. You get it. But so he actually failed for a long time. Couldn't do jack shit with his life until some movie studio basically picked up the story of Rudy. And then it made him super famous because now he was and he actually was in the movie. I don't know if you know that. Well, you didn't see the movie. So fuck you. But he was actually in the movie. And now he's, you know, this great story because he's Rudy Rudiger and he was this great, you know, football player that, you know, he persevered and he, you know, he he was determined to, you know, do great things. And he got, you know, one sack and, you know, in three plays, blah, blah, blah. And it's just it's bullshit. That's the only thing I have to say. That's that it's a long winded winded way of saying that it's all bullshit. So all right, now that you've trashed a singular person who might listen to this podcast one way, is Rudy dead? <laughs> no, he's not dead. Okay. That might <laughs> listen to this one day. We're gonna just like put the Rudy apology in our pockets and then later on get to it and then we'll call him on the show and he can defend himself. Yeah, well until what? now, until then. Okay. I'll go I'll go to the next thing. Now I'm just gonna warn everyone. This next one is probably my favorite bit out of all of these, you know, myths and rumors and legends we're talking about. Yeah, this one's pretty fun because it's not exactly something that we can confirm as true or false, but no. there's there's a spooky circumstance around it. Yeah, it's too spooky for me, that's for sure. It's it's it, but it's really interesting because <laughs> dude dude <laughs> Mr. Skeleton. The outro is just going to be spooky, scary, scary. <laughs> but so for those of you who don't know, I'm talking about the Madden curse. I don't think I mentioned that, but the Madden curse. And for those of you who don't know, Madden is a video game. And there was a long withstanding, um, I guess the best way to put it is superstition. superstition. Yeah. So there was a long superstition that if you were put on the, the cover of the Madden video game, that you were destined to fail and have a terrible season. And there was absolutely no way to predetermine that, but I'll get to it. But I mean, spoiler alert, 
it kind of is true. It kind of holds some kind of water in the whole rumor of it. People absolutely, I don't want to say they ruin their careers. Some people ruin their careers, which I'll get to, but there was definitely something there being put on the map. It, it happened way too many times for somebody not to have some kind of belief in it in one way or the other. All right. Shoot us a little sampler tray of this. Okay. So I'm gonna, I, I ran this basically from 1999 to 2013. And I'm going to go through every player that was on the cover or players. There was one instance where two players were on the cover. But every player that was on there, and I'm going to tell you about how they actually fared the following season. But it's just, it, it's really interesting because, I mean, that's a long, like, what's that, 14 years? That's 14 years where bad shit happened to the majority of the people that were on a video game cover. All right, let's so, go. Okay, so 1999, Garrison Hurst. He played for the San Francisco 49ers. For those who remember, Garrison Hurst was an awesome running back. He was probably the second best running back for San Francisco's ever had besides Frank Gore. But so he gets put on, you know, before the 1999 season. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes through the season, has a pretty good year. Later on in the postseason, 1999, breaks his ankle. Okay, fine. That just happened. Not a big deal. Now we're going to go into 2000. Year 2000, they actually had two people. They had Barry Sanders and Dorsey Levins. Barry Sanders was one of the probably top 10 running backs of all time. I think he's probably more along the lines of like top five, but definitely top 10 of all time for the Detroit Lions. Now he gets put on the cover all of a sudden nowhere. Boom. He retires. No reason. No rhyme. Just says that it feels like it's his time and he should probably give it up. But the odd thing was he was one season away basically from breaking his arm. <laughs> Not only his arm. We, we don't know that, but probably. But he was like one season away from breaking the all time rushing record held by Walter Payton. But he retires, and so Madden's like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to substitute him with Dorsey Levins. Dorsey Levins, running back for the Green Bay Packers, all of a sudden has a pretty good year. But then later on in the playoffs, he performed poorly leading up to the playoffs. He had his game, you know, his games where he did okay. But come to the playoffs, he does terrible. And he ends up getting released the following season because they couldn't count on him. Much like Eddie Lacy, for those of you who followed this year. Next year... 2001, I know, Greg's shaking his head. Did you play fantasy football this year, Greg? And you you were an Eddie Lacy owner, weren't you? Did you eat your weight in sorrow like Eddie Lacy did? Well, I'm the little bitch in the corner that didn't play <laughs> fantasy. All you need to know, Ryan, is that Eddie Lacy decided to go to a buffet every night for like four months because that's what he ended up playing. Yeah, really? Because I'm like addicted to it. So, um, <laughs> so moving on, 2001, Eddie George. Eddie George gets put on the cover. Now, Eddie George was one of the most reliable running backs coming into that season. But at the end of the year, now, I, I should also state that the Titans themselves, the team that he was on, they were 13-3. and three. They had an amazing season. The best season they've ever had in their team history since they became the Titans, I should say. Not the Oilers. They were the Oilers before. but So it was the best season they ever had. Eddie George looks great. He, he, he looks good. I don't, shouldn't say great. All of a sudden, they get to the playoffs. Boom. He bobbles a pass that's thrown his way. The Ravens intercept it. They end up losing the game. Now, 2002, Dante Culpepper. Dante Culpepper, great quarterback coming out of Central Florida. He looks great. He's got Chris Carter. He's got Randy Moss. Dude's got a cannon throwing bombs everywhere. Just a, And he can also run. So he was one of those rare quarterbacks that can not only throw the ball 70 yards off his back foot, but could also just run and get first downs whenever you needed him to. Has a great season the season beforehand. Gets put on the Madden cover. All of a sudden, boom, he has to miss the 2001 season. And then he ends up pretty much falling out of the league afterwards. So it had a really bad, like, detrimental effect to his whole career. 
2002, Marshall Falk, part of the greatest show on turf. 2002, he's with the St. Louis Rams. All of a sudden, he gets put on the uh, Madden cover. Then he has the worst season he's ever had. Doesn't even eclipse 1,000 yards. Ends up retiring a couple years later because he just can't hit. All right? Not looking good so far for the Madden curse. Next year, Michael Vick. Michael Vick gets announced that he's on the cover. And I'm not even getting to, like, the dog scandal. That's farther down the line. This oh. is before that shit. Real quick, did I ever tell you how they should have had, like, a Lost Scooby-Doo episode where they try to, like, unleash the... Well, uh, uncover the mystery of the Michael Vick meetings. <laughs> it gets pretty dark. It should be one of the reboot does and gritty it, remakes does it of Scooby Doo. Yeah, is that what the new movie's based off of? The Peanuts movie? Dude, you saw Scooby Doo on uh, what was it, Zombie Island? Those things are real. They pulled somebody's head off in that. I, I was trying to remember the name of that. Like, like, Scooby Doo and Zombie, Zombie, Zombie Island. Island. Terrified me originally. Can we, can we all agree real quick that Scrappy Doo is a bunch of bullshit? And he's an asshole. We're not going to get into that. Okay. All right, just keep going. Okay. We, we got we got a lot of ground to cover with this. <laughs> so 2004, sorry, Mike Vick gets put on the Madden cover. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Michael Vick was like a revolution to the NFL. He was that quarterback that, much like Dante Culpepper, could run and throw, except he could outrun anyone on the field. There's, I mean, there's a great, great, great play of him playing the Minnesota Vikings where it's a tie game. It's late in the fourth quarter, I believe. And he just takes off for like a 70-yard scramble. And even two Vikings defenders just run into each other trying to chase after him. It's wonderful. But he gets put on the cover in 2004, right before the season starts, fractures his right fibula. In a preseason game, I should say. Doesn't even make it to the season. Following season, Ray Lewis. Now, Ray Lewis, he didn't have a terrible season. But he was one of the most dominant linebackers of that era. And I would even say he's probably one of the most dominant linebackers of all time. But he goes with the 2005 season after getting put on the Madden cover. Doesn't even get an interception. Now, I know Ray Lewis is more of a, a run stopper and he's not, you know, a great pass, uh, a coverage guy. But, I mean, he still held, held his own and he at least did something. But not even a pick in the 2005 season. But that's probably about as much as you can hope for for the 2005 season. Next season, 2006, Donovan McNabb goes through and makes it on the Madden cover. All of a sudden makes it through, I believe, nine games. Makes it through nine games, then suffers a groin injury. Then the rest is history. I mean, this was after the, the Eagles made the Super Bowl, by the way. So he was absolutely killing it. He gets into that season about halfway, has a groin injury, only lasts a couple more seasons, was really never the same, and then kind of falls out the league. 2007, Sean Alexander. Now, he, he had a pretty good year leading up to it. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl, so... Everybody was looking for Sean Alexander, to, Alexander, I'm sorry, to just blow up and be the greatest thing ever, except he breaks his foot in week three. Now, Vince Young. Well, I, I should actually say that I'm going to preamble this with Vince Young because before Vince Young was put on the Madden cover, they approached LaDainian Tomlinson, who is one of the best running backs of all time as well, and he said that it was a quote-unquote contract issue but people were really scared that putting LaDainian Tomlinson on the cover was going to cause him to get injured because everybody else who has a shit the bet. So LaDainian Tomlinson tries to, you know, they, they try to put him on the cover. He says, no, thank you. They decide that they're going to go to Vince Young. And then Vince Young has a terrible season. He injures his quadricep. And then he ends, actually ends up becoming a backup to Kerry Collins later that year. And we all know Vince Young just completely just falls off the rails as well. There's a, you know, this is I should probably look into that, Ryan. I should look into how many players 
who have the Madden curse just A, retire unexpectedly, or B, just have their just career derailed by injuries. I- I'll look into that for another one. Well, that's better than Super Bowl ring is just getting on the Madden cover, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of equal, right? It's about the same thing. Greatest team in the world on the Madden cover, whatever. You know, it's another thing. I wonder if they get like a percentage of the game sales because they're on the cover. Well, maybe. That's actually a very good question. Oh, All I know right now is that you're totally like channeling John Madden right now just by like... You're doing this play-by-play. Like, I was expecting just, like, this guy got an injury, this guy got an injury. You're actually giving some background of why we should care about well, these people. Well, it's kind of twofold. A, I mean, I've been following football since as long as I can remember, and I remember a lot of these. I mean, I was a little young from the early, you know, iterations of the game, but I remember all of these players, and I remember watching all of them play. Back when you had faith in the Bucks, Before I was... You know, you could only be a Saints fan for so long before it just breaks your heart. But I'll get to Drew Brees, don't worry. So, after Vince Young, 2009, Brett Favre. He gets put on the Madden cover, and then, I don't know how many of you remember, but this was when Favre Watch was a thing on ESPN, which I'm sorry if you still watch ESPN. I don't, but this was, you know, he gets put on the Madden cover. Ooh, then low blow. Yeah, I, I mean, so, Favre gets put on the Madden cover, then all of a sudden he retires out of nowhere. Another one, like Barry Sanders did. I mean, he eventually came back, and then he went to the Jets, and then sent dick pics to people. It was a whole ordeal. Did you know he sent dick pics to people? He really yeah, did. I did actually hear about yeah, that he, one. He really did. Uh, so that happens to Farb. He so he doesn't. He makes it as a Green Bay Packer. So I remember that it was really interesting. He makes the Madden cover as a Green Bay Packer, but spends the following season in a New York Jets uniform. I don't know. It just it didn't seem right. So as a little aside. Next, uh, next year was the actually twofold was Larry Fitzgerald and Troy Polamalu. Larry Fitzgerald made it through pretty much unscathed, no issues whatsoever. Didn't have to worry about the Madden curse. Troy Polamalu, on the other hand, he didn't fare so well. He sprained his MCL, I believe, in the in the first week of uh, of the season, and then he missed the, like four or five games. Then he comes back, and then he injures, uh, he tears another ligament, I believe, in his shoulder later on and the Steelers ended up missing the playoffs and they're 9-7 and seven, and it was a whole thing so it was really interesting it applied to the defensive player in Troy Polamalu but not Larry Fitzgerald but in all you know defensive Larry Fitzgerald is probably one of the best receivers that nobody talks about the dude catches everything and you know if you owned him this year in fantasy in particular you're very happy but I just love Larry Fitzgerald so that's that's my own personal love for him for Larry Fitz 2011 Ryan Drew Brees our guy you know Saints quarterback um, he gets put on the Madden cover. I remember being like really apprehensive, being like, "He's not my guy, friend." Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's you know the most well-known saint. I'm sorry. Um, I, I he's the only person that I've eaten sushi in the same room with. Oh, aren't you just hot? Shit now? Not just, person, but the only oh, NFL quarterback. Yeah, just you know, name drop action. Well, right? you know, it was his birthday, and then like the owner decided to like let everybody know it was his birthday, <laughs> and then like. The whole restaurant ended up saying happy birthday to Drew Brees. I'm sure exactly what he wanted on a nice night with his wife. That's what he wanted to do. I'm sure that's exactly how he imagined it happening. So I guess, you know, that's my claim to fame is I ate at a sushi restaurant at the same time as Drew Brees. Oh, my God. That is so cool. You are so awesome. I know. Do you want to touch me? (laughs) (laughs) Stop fucking touching me. So Drew Brees, 2011, he he ends up having a decent season. But after being put on the Madden cover, he throws more interceptions than he has before. And for anybody who remembers, I'm, I'm sure for anybody who follows football, you'll remember one play in particular that happened to that Saints team, and that was the Beastquake game in the playoffs against Seattle. And I don't want to say that, you know, the Saints were, they deserved to lose that game, 
But I, I'm, I'm just going to chalk it up to the Madden curse having an effect because the Saints were 10-6 and six that year. The Seahawks were 7-9. and nine, And they were the first team ever to make the playoffs with a losing record and win their playoff game. Oh, just... I. And then there's Beast Quake where Marshawn Lynch ran over like 86 people and there was a seismograph that went off because they felt it and blah, blah, blah. It, it, it brings me nightmares. But So next year, but this was the most interesting was 2012 was Peyton Hillis. It's the, because you ate green bananas so I have nightmares. It, oh, Ryan, look at you referencing other podcasts. Oh, callbacks. We, oh. Episode four, we already have callbacks. Oh, look at you. Oh, swing and a miss. Okay. Peyton Hillis, a.k.a. The White Rhino. That was his actual nickname. He was a running back for the Cleveland Browns, which, as you know now, that's never a good thing to be playing for Cleveland. Is it the White Rhino because he's extinct and out of the league now? It, no, it was the White Rhino is because... <laughs> oh, I, you know, you're actually right in what you're saying, but he was the White Rhino because he was a white dude playing running back, which doesn't happen, and it was rare. And so they went with the White Rhino, and it wasn't very creative. You're backpedaling now. I'm not backpedaling. I'm just telling you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, Peyton Hillis. Go- <laughs> you PC, bro? You PC? You PC, bro? So, Peyton Hillis. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Peyton Hillis goes, you know, gets on the Madden cover, goes into the season, completely loses his fucking mind. Dude says he wants a new contract. Negotiations fall apart. Decides that he's not going to play at all in the game, by the way, because of strep throat. That's an actual thing. He ends up missing most of the season because of strep throat. And then the season ends and he decides, you know what? I'm not really into football anymore, so I'm just going to join the CIA. What? I'm not I'm not joking. That that was what he said. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, guy. Come on, guy. Join the CIA, guy. And then the next year was the last year I went through because it seemed like Calvin Johnson just completely shattered the curse. 2013 was the last year I, I looked into and he had the best season that he ever had. So I, I think it started with Garrison Hurst. Well, uh, the reason it started with Garrison Hurst is because he was actually the first player that was still active to be put on the, the video game cover. Now, Calvin... It was always, it was always yeah, it was... No, it was actual John Madden before. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it was actually it was Madden, Madden before, like holding a playbook and... Right? Yeah, he had a playbook and shit like that or like a, yeah. he was talking in a microphone or whatever. But, yeah, 99 was when Garrison Hurst was put on there for the 49ers. And, um... So, he was the person uh, that, like, broke the Jumanji curse for Madden, right? Yeah, pretty much. Megatron can do no wrong, though. But, but here's the interesting thing. This is why I brought up about players unexpectedly retiring, because Calvin's 30, and he announced that he's retiring this year. And there's no reason for him to retire. The dude could play at least another six to eight years making, I don't know, 70, 80 million dollars, which I know... May not seem enticing to everyone, but I would imagine it sounds enticing to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, but he he's 30. He's still... The prime for wide receivers is like 28 to 32. And he's right in the middle of that. So he's, so he's got about two years left in his prime, and he retired. It's just crazy. That's why I kind of want to do a little bit more research into it as to like players that just retire for no reason. Now, I will say this. I don't think he will stay retired. I think he will come back at some point. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's at some point later on this year, but that's just me. So that's my long-winded way of saying the Madden curse is f***ing real. So is Adrian Peterson's girlfriend on one of the covers or anything uh, like that? You mean his kid? Oh, 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 that was worse. Who was the person <laughs> in the elevator? That was Ray Rice. Oh, Ray Rice. Okay. Yeah. Ray Rice told her twice. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I've never heard that one. Okay. <laughs> 
Oh god. Fantasy team, one guy named his team Beats by Ray. Beats by Ray. Beats by Ray. <laughs> I was Ray Rice told her twice. I, I was edgy. I'm sorry for laughing. It's terrible. That's okay. My my team name this year was Bill Cosby Ray Sleepers. Ray. Flies does not endorse the actions. <laughs> yeah. No, no, dude, you've had a worse fantasy name. I happen to know the previous year's one. Uh, Steve McNair Shotgun Offense. No, the Sandusky Sandbox. Oh yeah, that was only for a short while, but yeah, I was that for a little while too. Jesus, yeah, man. I know. Too edgy for me. No, no, we like to you know be edgy and cool and fun, but. Let's let's get away from this, Ryan. You're going to talk about baseball now, right? Right. Uh, so we're going to go into uh, specifics of a single person. This one's going to be nice and quick, but it's worth mentioning at least. And that is the legendary Wade Boggs. Rest in peace, according to Charlie Kelly. <laughs> our, our source on all of this is Charlie Charlie Kelly, by the way. Uh, technically, yes. Okay, so um. Wade Boggs uh, was recently brought up on an episode of Always Sunny where the guys go on a cross-country flight and they try to break his record of drinking, I believe, about 60 beers on the flight. That's what they said. Consecutively, yes. So a little background to Wade Boggs. He was a famous third baseman. Uh, For most of his time, he spent on the Red Sox. He was also in the Yankees and the Devils for a little bit. But he was known to be a just heavyweight drinker. Like, we're talking about like Andre the Giant levels. Like, it takes him a case and a half to feel buzzed. Yeah. And that's quoting him, too. Um, <laughs> it, it takes him literally that much to get drunk. So the idea is that he, whenever he would go on cross-country flights, he would just start pounding them back. And a lot of people believe that his record was somewhere between 50 to 60 beers on a cross-country flight. Pretty impressive in general. I mean, what do we know? Uh, one of our good friends, his record is 33 and three hours. Yeah. Or 31 and three hours. 30, 30 33. It yeah. still is no Wade Boggs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? He didn't well, die this was either. during college, okay? Yeah. He didn't die, by the way. He didn't die. Greg's looking at us like we're fucking crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 You're not crazy. He is. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you who it is later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> That's an after podcast special. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so there's been a recent development on this okay charlie day who plays charlie kelly and always sunny in philadelphia went on the jimmy fallon show and talked a little bit about that episode and they got the actual wade boggs to do a special guest appearance on the show huh. and number one is wade or, or sunny you're saying he did a guest appearance oh uh wade boggs was actually on the sunny. always sunny episode yeah, so clarifying. Oh, okay. he, he, he so appeared as he was on fallon talking about the episode of sunny where Wade Boggs guests. Right, he was the oh. ghost of Wade Boggs, which for the record, <laughs> Wade Boggs isn't dead. <laughs> um, anyway, so Charlie Day was saying that when Wade Boggs was in the set, A, he was drinking the entire time. Most of the time, <laughs> they have prop beer when they're drinking in a show, just so that they don't get a little bit too tipsy while they're recording or anything like that. Because, I mean, what respectable actors or, you know, podcast hosts would be drinking while doing a show? I wouldn't imagine. You don't do that type of stuff. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, Who any- would do such a thing? <laughs> right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's good coffee. I bet you we're going to have just like a bag that we shake before everything. <laughs> and just like, we're just going to save everything from like every season. <laughs> anyway. So Wade Boggs was drinking the show and he pulled Charlie Day aside at one point and said, hey, for the record, the record is 107. No. Yeah. You're fucking me. Yeah. So we're going all in Charlie Day's word with this, but I mean, that is significant. Like 107? 
that's a tall tale. Like, he's like the Paul Bunyan of drinking, if that's the case. Did I mean, he fly to, like, Australia, or did he fly from, like, L.A. to New York? That was the flight. It was L.A. to New York, or vice versa. Oh, my God. Well, 100 and... So that's, like, you're looking at, what, like, a four-hour... Let's just say you there. Yeah, it's like three and a half, four hours. We'll say, we'll like just that, say, yeah. we'll use round numbers. So four, I'll give them the, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Four hours. So that's what? Like 240 uh, minutes? Yeah. Or, yeah, 240 minutes at 107. That's a little over a beer every, like, le- it's less than every beer every two minutes. Dude, the crazy part for me is, we can all relate to this too, is that apparently whenever he did these flights, he didn't even go to the bathroom. At all. He didn't even take a piss. That's not physically possible. Right. I, that's that's why this is a bit of a tall tale. But, I mean, it, it's crazy because, I mean, Greg it's and I... Every seven or eight minutes. Right. Yeah. Greg it's and I are known for just, like, <sighs> there is no seal to be broken. We're just, like, as soon as we drink it, it's coming straight out. Like, we're just pissing it out like crazy. So, it's just one of those things where uh, that's what kind of tipped me over the point of believing this. But if he told Charlie Kelly this, and if it's from the horse's mouth, then, you know, we're going to go ahead and just call this one... Uh, I would say plausible because it, it's just it's it's a fun story at least. Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, the Doc Ellis thing. I mean, he says he did LSD while pitching a no hitter. Right, unless they spinal tapped. Yeah, there was there's no, no way, way of, of knowing. knowing. And there's no way. I mean, oh my god, can you imagine him the BAC blowing? afterwards? Yes. Can you oh imagine that? Oh, that would be fucking hilarious. I would pay big money to see him blow into that. Morbidly hilarious. Oh. <laughs> All right, so going on from that, we got a little bit of science in this bitch right now. Yeah, so now, actually, this this one was pretty cool. This one is about Gaylord Perry. Besides having a humorous name, Gaylord Perry was actually a really, really awesome pitcher in the major leagues. When this rumor that happened, he was playing for the Giants, and the rumor was was that his manager at the time, uh, well, let me let me stop there. There's a difference in baseball. There's a National League and there's an American League. There's there's only one difference between the two. And in the National League, the pitcher has to hit. In the American League, they have a designated hitter, so the the pitcher doesn't have to hit. So that's the only difference. While San Francisco is in the National League, Gaylord Perry has to then has to go bat every time he pitches in a game. So he goes up there and he's taking some batting practice one day. And his manager at the time is looking at him and he's just, you know, rolling his eyes because if you're a pitcher, you don't have to worry about hitting the ball. It's just not something you really worry about. You focus on pitching and you just you go up there, you take your cuts, you strike out, whatever. You try to put the ball in play. No big deal. Well, Gaylord Perry's out there taking some bat in practice. He looks atrocious. And his manager looks at the reporters and say, you know, they're going to put a man on the moon before this man hits a home run. And that was actually true. Crazy enough, but... It's not as crazy. It's it's not the reason it's so crazy. I should say, is because of how close it was. The game that where he hit his first home run, it started around like two thirty that day, and about four o'clock, our you know that same day is when Apollo Eleven landed on the moon, and in the third inning is when he hit that home run. So there's only a difference by I'm talking like probably within 30 minutes. So within 30 minutes of a man being put on the moon is when Gaylord Perry actually hit that home run. So the manager was technically technically correct. Now the yeah, it's kind of correct. It's mostly true. Can I say that mostly true? But the issue becomes whether his manager actually said it or not because there's no voice recording of him actually saying it but it's pretty interesting that this guy says they're gonna put a man on the moon before he hits a home run and then 11 minutes after man landing on the moon 
he hits a home run. Right, because f*** the commies. J- uh, JFK <laughs> was trying to be Gaylord Perry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I was thinking the other day, by the way, I would like to have, um, you know, what what if somebody who was Spanish wanted to have a kid and they were Juan F. Kennedy? Anyone? No? Okay. Sorry. Moving on. Moving on. You're going to the corner. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. We can't have nice things at all. So now we're, we're leaving baseball behind and we're going into golf. Oh, the most interesting sport ever. The one that requires to be any weight possible to play it. Have you seen John, John Daly hit a golf ball? You no, because they don't is? watch golf. John Daly is like six foot, like 350 pounds, doesn't wear shoes, has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and wears the most obnoxious pants or whatever. No shirt or anything and goes up there and has the sweetest stroke you'll ever see in your life. But he's a alcoholic i mean you know an arnold palmer right you know the drink tea and lemonade a john daly is an arnold palmer with vodka okay fair enough well you know this is interesting (laughs) because when we're talking about some of the sports with motors the most too popular would be probably nascar and then golf because they have golf carts both of them i cannot watch a single goddamn second of them i actually like golf i i very much enjoy golf so i i I appreciate the sport but it's like watching a darts tournament yes you have skill but it's also like watching a sharpshooter tournament (laughs) it's like one of those things like i want to be shooting the gun yeah no no no. i i totally get it and golf is definitely one of those things where like you need to have some vested interest whether it's like you really like a player or something because golf is slow and boring same with baseball baseball's boring i love watching baseball but i understand it's boring i totally get it but one but this is probably one of my favorite things i used to hear and i actually believed it because i like that i like i want it to be true more than anything else but i heard that the reason a golf course has 18 holes was because a standard bottle of Jameson had 18 shots in it. Brand plug. <laughs> you want to sponsor us, Jameson? <laughs> I'd love that. Oh, my God. Send in some free shit with it, too. But sadly enough, that is actually not the case. But it was really interesting trying to find this answer because the best I could do was finding stuff through Scottish history. Well, that's the interesting thing. Jameson isn't Scotch. I know. I know. That that was the whole interesting thing about that was that the the origin of them having 18 holes has nothing. There's no relation between, you know, Jameson or anything. So, but the best I could do was that when golf was first created, they obviously didn't create 18 holes. They created a bunch of them and they usually try to stick to like round numbers, but they didn't. There was no actual way it was actually, you know, 18 well, in like the mid 1700s, there was um, one course that had uh, um, like four par twos, and they decided to condense two of them and make them two par fours, and that actually made it go from 12 holes to 10 holes, and they decided to play 18 of them over again. So they just played it, you know, some of them twice, and people liked that it was 18 sounded like a good number, so they just kind of stuck with it. And that's why basically it's been 18 holes. It just kind of happened one day and everyone liked the way it was. I mean, there's, and a lot of it wasn't even because there was 18 separate holes. They were just playing like some of them have six holes. They'd play them three times or they'd have nine holes and they'd play them twice. Like it it just kind of always worked out that way. And that's what they shot for was at St. Andrews, which is like the, the best course over in, in, uh, in Scotland that is the cream of the crop. And so basically one day St. Andrews said, you know, we're going to make 18 holes. And everyone's like, yeah, f- it will fall in line. So 
That's interesting. I mean, like, that is one of the most mundane answers I've heard for that. It kind of is almost, like, anticlimactic. Yeah. But at the same rate, I like it because it kind of sets us up for our mythical drinking episode that we may do in the future. Who knows? Spoiler alert. Uh, we can test if there's actually 18 shots in a bottle of Jameson. <laughs> we can find out. I mean, I live to tell the tale, but I'll do my damnedest to figure it out. And Greg is taking every damn one of them shots. Yep. By himself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you some PBR to go with it. <laughs> well, no. no, it's all right. I'll just like put the camera right in your face. I'll do like a fisheye lens, do like the dog, eye, the dog camera. I might, I might vomit just watching it's it sober. Like Cute Greg being drunk. Hey, don't hate on Mean Streets. It's a I great movie. It's a great movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> that dude. That I'm going on a tangent here, but that scene in the bar where he's just chasing him around. Oh, it's fantastic. Love right. Scorsese. So the the last, well, I'm going to move on from the drinking myth to actually why golf is called golf. And do you know, I mean, I, I've heard this. Do you know why they, people say it's called golf? I believe it's gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Yeah, that that's what the rumor was. Greg, did you ever hear that? I, I don't know if y'all like kind of planted in my mind, but I feel like I have. But yeah, I'm not positive, but admit, it sounds like my average. I mean, like I always heard that like, you know, yeah, like scuba, you know, self-contained un- underwater breathing apparatus, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And I heard golf, gentlemen only, ladies forbidden. Well, that's a crock of shit. That never happened. That That's not true. Basically, there was really no... This is another one where it's kind of a mundane answer. It's not really sexy. Dude, real quick. Scuba golf. <laughs> scuba golf. How would that work? There's some money involved. We can do this shit. I mean, how would it, how would it work? How, like, they have chest boxing. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, they, it, it eliminates water traps. Okay. Everything's a water trap. I mean, yeah, there is no water hazard. There should be like land traps. Everything's a water hazard. There should be land traps. You have to get out of the water, fins and all, <laughs> keep your BC on, and then just like with the tank, and you have to hit it back into the water <laughs> after Steve getting out. Yeah, all right. Well, so um, th- th- like I was saying before we started on our new brilliant idea, which we're going to go to Shark Tank about. <laughs> Golf. Uh, Mark Cuban. It's, it's kind of a money. Yeah, it's a Mark Cuban. I like Mark Eaton, by the way. It's kind of a mundane answer. It's another one of those things like why there's 18 holes in golf. You kind of just have to follow the history of the way things were. And the first known instance of the word was in 1457 by King James II. But except there never was actual like the word golf. There was golf, G-O-F-F, golf, G-O-W-F. There's golf. Then there was goif, G-O-I-F, goif, G-O-I-F-F. Golf, G-O-F, Gauf, G-O-W-F-E. And then And golf, yeah, and glove, sorry. Am I just choking on a peanut? Yeah, it's like, so there was golf and glove and like, so there was all kind of iterations of the word golf, but it never actually became the word golf until later on when somebody translated, you know, um, um, all these different languages that used it into actual golf. And it, like I said, it's not a fun, sexy answer, but it's kind of interesting how there was like all these names for it. And interesting enough, actually, the reason that uh, King James actually wrote about golf in the first place was because back then, you know, 1400, 1450s, people worried about, you know, people attacking their shit. They're supposed to be doing archery and useful shit, except they were all, all playing golf and stuff like that. So that's why he had to outlaw golf because nobody was getting their shit done. So it's, I guess it's. Well, I guess that also brings up the fact why people see golf as like a leisure sport because it's always been a leisure sport from the first instance that it was recorded. It's there to make sure you don't get your shit done. Exactly. Exactly. And some people make a career out of it. I wish I could. 
So shall we make golf a little bit more interesting right now? Yes, we should. And bring in golf-related deaths. Dun, 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 dun. All right. So pretty much one of the only golf-related deaths we could pull up. <laughs> Besides Chubbs and Happy Gilmore. Was course. something that Josh brought to my attention a little while ago about somebody apparently dying while playing golf uh, because they were poisoned while playing. The idea behind this is that somebody died from chewing on their tea and got poisoned by something on the tea afterwards. So I looked into this, and it turns out that this is one of the true cases. It's not exactly as the urban legend condenses it to, but we're going to go into this right now. So in 1986, People Magazine posted an article about an incident in 1982 where a Navy lieutenant decided to take a little bit of shore leave. I guess that's what you call it, even though he was still on land. He took shore leave. Uh, He went to the Army-Navy Country Club near Arlington, Virginia. And during that time, he developed a little case of uh, nausea, irritability. Uh, He started, like, yelling at his wife more. And then, uh, apparently, it's a little bit more than what normal golfers do. Okay, you're giving me that look right now, but... It's not just a regular game of golf. <laughs> okay. This happened okay. for a span of three days or so to the point where he was developing blisters. Oh, sh**. Okay. Yeah. Um, and for record, we do have the name of this person. We're going to list it in the sources. I just, we kind of have a policy that unless it's absolutely necessary to the story, we're not going to say the person's name just out of respect. If you want to find it, you're more than welcome to, but we're we're going to try to be somewhat classy on this podcast. Yeah, we have respect for something. Um, <laughs> we have a code. It's not a very strong code, but we have a code. Anyway, this dude decided that that illness be damned. <laughs> he, outline. <laughs> illness be damned. This guy was going to like play golf for three straight days. He was going to like play this shit out of this country club funded by the military. Anyway, about day three, he started developing blisters so bad that were, according to the article, they were about baseball-sized blisters. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And he was admitted to the hospital. Two weeks later, he died. Nobody could figure out what was going on during that time. But the military, say what you want about the military, they actually look out for their people. And they needed somebody to blame for this guy dying. <laughs> And it turned out that after doing a little bit of testing, they decided to just throw a dart on the map and it landed on something called Dacanil 2787, which is a uh, pesticide, specifically a fungicide that is commonly used on golf courses on many shrubberies and such uh, to prevent fungal growth. Uh, and me, I actually am very glad that I got to take this topic because I have a little bit of anecdotal experience with this. We don't like to rely on anecdotal, but I have a little bit of no for this. Um, I used to work in the pesticide industry, uh, testing for it in a lot of foods. And Dacanil 2787 is also known as Chlorthalonil, which happens to still be used today. Um, it is, yes, it's toxic. It's obviously a pesticide. Um, it's very dangerous to a lot of fish and aquatic life and also bees. It actually contributes to, uh, colony collapse for bees. Oh. It's one of the main bad actors in that, uh, along with metacloprid. We can go into that another of day. Of course, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just like talking about this stuff a little it's bit. It's fine. I like, I, I know what you're saying. You got your Madden curse I'm rant, just, okay? I, I'm, I'm just... Offering my two cents. So going into this, it turns out that this is one of the only cases of somebody getting poisoned by chlorothalonil. Um, like ever? There was also a case of, I think there were two cases of houses getting fumigated with chlorothalonil for fungicidal properties. Okay. Um, and apparently some people died from that. 
but it's in very large quantity. We're talking about something like 10 ppm, which would be 10,000 milligrams per kilogram. So putting that into it, say you have a one kilogram burger, just like a whole kilo, you know, a whole kilo burger. Okay. Yeah. Are we sure we're talking about hamburgers here, Ryan? You're going to have to throw... You're going to have to throw 10 grams of that pesticide in that burger for it to kill you. That's a lot. Yeah, that's the LD50 for it. And we've talked about that before. Yeah, we've talked about that. That's really high for a pesticide in general. Yeah. And it's it's still widely used. Chlorothalonil is generally accepted. It doesn't hurt birds or anything like that. And that's what a lot of, like, that's one of the first things that people look into when it comes to a pesticide being a bad actor. For instance, DDT. I'm going on to a diatribe right now. Just warning you right so, like, now. Like the wrestler, like Diamond Dallas Page, where he would do the DDT and... No, not that one. Oh, oh this, that's the DDP. No. The, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I get this confused. We're not talking about DPing anything right now. Oh, okay. Um, so, so DDT <laughs> is one of the pesticides right now. That is uh, been banned since I want to say about the 60s because it contributed to the thinning of birds' uh, shells uh, uh, for, for their uh, eggs. For their eggs, yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. And this was considered a miracle thing. It helped uh, uh, really call the mosquito population and helped to like fight polio even. But it became demonized for a while. But it's coming to having like an anti-hero comeback story because uh, currently we're having a problem with Zika virus. There's a lot of fear that it's going to be leaking into America. Yeah. People are considering bringing back DDT to fight the mosquitoes that might be having Zika. Ah, okay. Right. I see how we all, yeah, I see that complete circle where we came to. I got you. So bringing it back to Corthalonil is not one of those very controversial ones. Not a lot of cases have been reported for uh, deaths involving this fungicide. So it's really a case of this guy died from something else. that's, That's conjecture right there. On the books, they actually did have like something I want to say to the tune of like twenty million dollar lawsuit of this guy dying against the company that makes Dacanil, which is Corothalonil. Huh. It, it's it, they needed to sue the shit out of somebody. They, they needed somebody. They needed somebody to fall, and, and it have worked. A, you know. But um, honestly, the results seem like they're a little bit fishy to me. So that's that. Somebody did die from chewing his golf tee off of a nervous tick on the official records. What it actually ends up being, this was 1982 before mass spectroscopy was really advanced yeah. to how it is now. And yeah. we still have a long way to go, but it's not one of those things that was, um, it wasn't as surefire as it is now. Yeah. So I guess going on to a little bit more of the science side of sports, this is not exactly a rumor. This definitely happened. Well, so let me stop right there. So the next two, the last two things we're going to talk about, they're not really rumors, but I think they're more, int- well, the one Ryan's going to talk about is more interesting, and I think mine's more fun more than anything. Right. So, uh, for the record, this is kind of our bonus round real quick. Yeah. This is not um, a myth. These both are not myths. These are both one that's very current and is still kind of debatable. We need a little bit more data, go- data going on it. And the other one is just going into a little bit of information on a very interesting topic, which I feel like shouldn't be left out in sports. Yeah, I agree. We might come back to sports another day, but for now, this is just a really good story yeah. for how they did it. It's a... it's cheating genius yeah and, and it's something that like this is where science really takes over in the sports world because i mean i don't understand it as much as you do ryan from the science aspect of it but from what little i do understand i know that they would not have been caught if nobody ratted them out that uh, pretty much yeah and one of the most magnificent cheaters in sporting history happens to be good old lance armstrong so this guy really did take a giant turn from grace 
he was known as being a hero from testicular cancer and going through all the different woes of it. And then eventually in 2012, it was revealed that he had been cheating. He was doping along with most of the UPS team. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important that you actually explain because like people hear like, oh, he was doping. He was doping. Like, what does that actually mean? Right. And, and there was a whole debacle about this because, I mean, if I don't know if you saw the Oprah interview when he went over and spoke to her. This is kind of his outing as I was a cheater. And he decided to treat this like a big old NBD, like yeah, yeah, no yeah. big deal. He just, I don't know who his PR team was, but they were just like, yeah, j- just act like it was nothing. Just act like it was like you wore your socks backwards that day. And it was kind of funny. That's, yeah, we were just doping and we won two Tour de France's over that, you know? I mean, that's what happens near the Uniballer, so. Yeah, I... I <laughs> <laughs> Trivia, what do Tom Green and Lance Armstrong have in common? One testicle. Exactly. Ding, 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 ding. They don't share the same testicle, but they're both <laughs> you missing. You don't know that. Uh, they maybe have them in a jar together afterwards, but you know. <laughs> so, so doping, like what actually is, like, what did they do to be called doping? Like, what is that? Right. So we're not going to go ahead into the history of Lance Armstrong and his extensive doping history. No. We're going to go into a specific instance of how he got smart towards the end. If you want to look up anything about this, there's tons of articles on it of his previous history of like, you know, his possibility of using the more conventional human growth hormone and such but more towards the end he needed to get a little bit smarter with it um so back in 1999 when they won the tour de france uh they were using something and by they i mean lance armstrong and the ups team i think it was still the ups yeah it wasn't just him there was a couple of them so they were using something called erythropoietin i believe i'm saying that right i'm terrible with the long words like that but we're just going to go ahead and shorten it to epo which is mostly common called as Anyway, EPO is a synthetic version of a hormone that increases uh, red blood cell production. And the important part about this is that red blood cells are necessary for carrying oxygen to your muscles. And oxygen is very much needed for any sort of aerobic sport, uh, cardio, which would be definitely biking. Um, This is why they believe that uh, it's kind of a rumor that goes around that a lot of the northern teams like uh, the Broncos are so much better when they come down to the southern states because the elevation changes. They're used to the low oxygen content. When they come down to a higher oxygen content, their blood cells are going in overdrive and they're just able to become supermen yeah basically uh, that that no that was like a big talk about uh about the super bowl this year before the broncos won it was how much of an advantage they were at because they they play in a higher altitude than the panthers do right so it's definitely something to account for yeah the amount of oxygen that your red blood cells are carrying to you is a big deal so epo is very hard to detect at least at the time in 1999 when they were doping with this yeah Techniques got a little bit better over time, but it was virtually undetectable from regular hemoglobin that would bring the red blood cells to your muscles and then increase the oxygen content. And generally, you could avoid a test or just dodge it if you didn't have ridiculously high hematocrit levels, which is the red blood cells to plasma level. And generally, anything under 50 really wouldn't register as unnatural for anybody. And so they were doing that for a while, even to the point where some of their doctors, right before they were getting tested, would inject them intravenously with saline to uh, dilute the amount of, uh, like, if you have more liquid in your solution of blood yeah. going through your bloodstream, it's it'll be on a lower hematocrit level. And then eventually just the saline gets either pissed out or sweated out. So it drops back down to that high red blood cell count. So what ended up happening was after people got smart to that, they decided to just skip the synthetic and go straight to the au naturel. Um, 
it turns out that another way of increasing your red blood cell count is just using your own red blood cells. And this was by means of blood transfusion. This is this still amazes me, the fact that they that somebody was paid to figure this out and yeah. it worked. It's it's really interesting. So blood transfusion, pretty much if you wanted to dope up in the kind of natural way before a big sporting event, what you would do is you would go ahead and take a few units of blood out a couple of weeks before the race, or in this case, it's the race, yeah, sort of whatever thoughts, you're yeah. doing. And then they would go ahead and centrifuge the red blood cells out of that plasma, put the plasma back into the person, and just keep the red blood cells on ice. During this few weeks that uh, before the race, your red blood cell count would regenerate and just your body would make more for you to get you back to normal. And then come about a week to a few days before the race, what they would go ahead and do is put those red blood cells that you had saved right back into you so that your hematocrit levels are like skyrocketing yeah. and just do the same technique of putting sky, uh, saline right into your system before you get tested. So right. your hematocrit levels look relatively normal. It's, it's pure genius of you using the body against the body to trick the body. You yeah. know, it's, it's great. Uh, it's amazing. And really it brings up a lot of moral debate of, is this cheating by using your own like, blood flesh and blood to enhance yourself well that's what i was gonna say is you know it's one thing to be cheating you know if you're taking you know hdh or you know some kind of other steroid or whatever some some foreign substance going into your body in order to make you better whether it's to make you heal quicker or anything like that but when you're taking parts of your own body and putting them back into you that that that's where the line kind of gets fuzzy i mean it's cheating but at the same time it's not considered to be performance enhancing drugs because well exactly that's the big thing about it is that you know in baseball that was the huge thing with you know Maguire and Bonds and Palmero and Sosa and all these other guys was and that. the whole first string of the NFL well yeah well that's the thing is like they're putting like all these foreign substances into their body and that's why the NFL is trying to get rid of it but if they end up putting their own substances from their own body into it at a later date does that necessarily mean it's cheating? I mean, like you said, I agree with you. I think it is because that's giving you an unfair advantage. Right. But I, I mean, it, there is a little wiggle room there because you're technically not putting anything illegal into your body. Exactly. Now, there can be rules that are made to make it cheating, and that's what happened. Right, yeah. But at the same time, it's it's kind of a weird... Uh, like gray area because it's not exactly damaging your body by any means. Yeah. It's just putting it back. Um, so there was one particular incident that I believe the bus driver ratted on them in 2004 before the tour de France, where the whole team, uh, Lance Armstrong's team was very weary of the French authorities. I mean, they were doing tons of random tests at any time, uh, just to make sure nobody was doping. Cause they already kind of had some red flags going up yeah. and they were worried they're going to get tested again. So they weren't even telling the team when they were going to be doping. Hmm. So one day on the way back to their hotel, their bus pulls over on the side of the road and puts out some cones and makes it look like they have a flat tire. During that time, they tell all the team, lay down on the ground. And what they do is they get out the bags of the red blood cells that they had uh, mm -hmm. previously taken out of them, hung them up, and then just went ahead and just intravenously laced them in there. Like th during that time, I think it was maybe an hour span. Wow. Like this was on the side of the road, made it look like it was a bus breakdown and just it was an impromptu blood doping. Wow. Um, it's a crazy ass story, but I love it because it's just one of those things where the, the, the insane like limits that people will go to 
to just get the advantage with this. And it paid off for them for a while. I yeah. mean, technically, what has Lance Armstrong really lost aside from titles? Well, I mean, he, he, I mean, he did. I mean, that's what I always tell people. Lance Armstrong actually did some good. I mean, I'm not, you know, trying to defend a cheater, but the Livestrong, I mean, but look, but look at the Livestrong movement that they had. It's still around. It's, I mean, look how much money he raised for cancer research solely on that. I mean, everywhere you looked when it first came out, everybody was wearing that stupid f-ing yellow bracelet that said Livestrong. Hey, I mean, you had one for a while. I was gonna say, I know I had one. You know, most people did. He didn't give back the money. He didn't. He didn't give back anything outside of the titles of winning the Tour de France. But here's the thing about cycling, though, as it comes to the number of cyclists in the sport versus, you know, the total like individual cyclists cheating versus total number of cyclists that cycling has probably the biggest cheating problem out of any sport that there is, which is insane because it's kind of almost a niche sport where exactly. I mean, I really feel like cycling only got big after a Lance Armstrong lost a testicle and B after Lance <laughs> Armstrong was accused of doping. Yeah. But look, but I mean, I don't know if you remember, I mean, there was, I mean, a lot of people that, I mean, there was one time I remember they ended up having giving the, the Tour de France the like to the third place winner because the first two were caught cheating. It might have even been more than that. It was further back. I remember yeah, seeing it, something where the people that weren't suspected of cheating, yeah. it would have gone to something in the teenth's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous the amount of people that were doing this and, and cycling. Right. So I just needed to include that in there. I love the story. I know it's not exactly a myth. It's something that definitely happened, but I feel like it's just one of the things that really, once you get to understand it's like it's evil genius yeah, yeah and i think it's it's interesting to say the least yeah and and you know the, the thing i'm going to talk about now like this one has no credibility whatsoever but i think it is so fun and hilarious to talk about to an extent it's also morbid we got to get hell. into a little bit morbid every yeah, episode okay. we're so, sorry that we do it towards the end but yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like almost morbidly comedic depending on how much you like some of the people involved okay so Osama bin Laden, Whitney Houston, Paul Walker, Gaddafi, Steve Jobs, Robin Williams, Sir Richard Attenborough, Alan Rickman, and David Bowie. They all have something in common. Do you know what it is, Ryan? They're dead? They are dead. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Richard Attenborough? Wait, no, not- no, 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 Sir Richard Attenborough, the guy from Jurassic Park. Uh, we're not David Attenborough. Oh, no. David Attenborough. No, okay. That's David. Oh, dude, you almost no. just dropped a bombshell no, 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 on no, me. That no, no, no. The, the, me. Welcome to Jurassic Park. That's... That's the Attenborough I'm talking about. Not the guy that just sits by like lemurs and talks about them while they're watching him, right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Different guy, different guy. So the thing that all of them have in common is that they were all killed by a goal of death. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. So there's a player who plays for uh, Arsenal FC, uh, soccer to all you Americans, but there's a football player whose name is Aaron Ram. You, you're American. I'm just saying, it's the right name for it. If everywhere else calls it something and we call it soccer, why are we correct? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Why do we use the metric system? I mean, why don't we use the metric system where everybody else does? Hey, Libya uses it too. You're you're using Libya as a defense. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry, any Libyans that are listening. Hey, you're talking about Gaddafi, aren't you? Yeah. Well, he's dead. So, well. Anyway, back to butt stab. Back to (laughs) back to the point. Aaron Ramsey has what they call the goal of death or the foot of death or all kinds of other. So basically, I just thought it was really cool that, you know, that somebody made this connection 
And to the point where reporters ask him about this and like he gets very uncomfortable and just vehemently denies it and gets very upset, which I kind of understand, too. So basically, the the rumor is, is that every time Aaron Ramsey scores a goal, somebody of importance dies. Now, this is all fun and dandy until you actually start looking at things. In May of 2011, he scored a goal. The next day, bin Laden was found dead. He scores a goal. Yeah, they found him dead after they shot him. Well, after the, I didn't say how he died. I'm just saying when they found well, we him. We shot him and then later, like, uh, I don't know, a couple seconds, we I'm, found him dead. I'm just saying it was when he was officially confirmed dead. You know what? That's a good point. Is Obama, the Obama administration in on this? I'm just saying. Jet fuel can't melt Aaron Ramsey's dreams. That's all I'm saying. So, <laughs> in October of that same year, 2011, Ramsey scores. Steve Jobs died a couple days later. Later on that month, Ramsey scores. Gandalfi dies. All right. That's three people important. It's not a big deal. February 2012, he scores. Later on that same day, Whitney Houston dies. The following year, March 2013, <laughs> Aaron Ramsey scores. Then former basketball player Ray Williams. I don't know if any of you guys remember him. He played for the Nets back in the day. He's an older basketball player. But he dies. Only former because he's dead. Well, yeah. November 2013, Aaron Ramsey scores. Same, same day, later on, Paul Walker dies. August 2014, Aaron Ramsey scores. Next day, or yeah, next day, Robin Williams dies. And then last month, Aaron Ramsey scored twice. David Bowie, Alan Rickman, done. Oh, he didn't get a hat trick? <laughs> no, he didn't get a hat trick. No, he didn't. He, nope, he hasn't had a hat trick. He yet. didn't kill Lemmy? No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't kill Lemmy. No, no, no. But it's just, I mean, there's a point. Exactly. Well, so, like, it's kind of like the Madden curse in that, like. Dude, they should put Aaron Ramsey on the FIFA cover. <laughs> there's no FIFA curse, though. Well, he can. I, I'm certain he Maybe can. Maybe they one. should put Aaron Ramsey on the Madden cover because he plays football. Oh yeah. I don't want Aaron Ramsey to kill himself. No. I like Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> well, no. All I'm saying is that like it's a lot like the Madden curse in the situation that like there's enough evidence to say there is some sort of curse that's going on, but there's no like scientific basis to to, to have it on. I mean, I'm I'm most uh, saddened about the whole Bowie thing. I guess I should be angry at Aaron Ramsey for it. <laughs> you can blame Aaron Ramsey. Kill Ramsey, kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I said, there's nothing to actually say that like he's the cause of all this, but he's probably got a hand in it somehow. That's all I'm saying. And maybe Obama. We don't know that. I'm just throwing it out there. I haven't seen him in Obama in the same room either. That's all I'm saying. I'm convinced that Aaron Ramsey's Kira. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, I, I can't disprove that. I can't disprove that. So, I'm wrapping all of this up, I mean, the thing, like you said, the, the doping thing, I thought was really interesting. The fact that basically their way of cheating was not like HGH. It wasn't, you know, any any other kind of steroid or anything or any other, you know, human human hormone that they can put inside of them. It was just their own red blood cells. To me, that was really, really interesting. Right. And I think something that I kind of took away from this is just uh, one of the least fact-based things is the Madden curse that, uh, you know, say what you want about it. There's no definite scientific data about that. But the correlations you put together, it's like uh, there's it's interesting to say the least. Like I love the, the 
chance that it may have happened, you know? Uh, just the fact that it was like that many coin flips led to heads. It's one of those things. Exactly. And like like I said, I know it was a little long-winded, and I know what I went, probably went into a little bit too much detail, but I think it was all necessary to really understand that like... Greg's these, sitting here yawning well, like crazy. Yeah, I know. And he gives a shit about sports just as much as I do. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I lo- I thought it was really interesting because you have all these players who had such a prominent effect on football the prior year. And then all of a sudden something happens and they blow it, whether they get injured or they cost their team, you know, uh, uh, progressing in the playoffs or whatever it is. It's just really interesting to me that, like you said, that you can flip a coin that many times and it lands on heads consecutively. Right. Until, until you get to Calvin Johnson, that's a different story. And once again, kids, don't do LSD unless you're trying to get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in the Baseball <laughs> Hall of Fame. Or or don't, or don't if you're flying cross-country, you can totally pound 107 beers. Right. Dude, like, he probably, that's more than, that's over, like, four cases. Like, how do they have that much beer on board? I mean, did he drink the whole supply of the beer for everyone? He probably bought a whole seat for his cases. He had to. He had to. I mean, that makes any sense. Yeah. Anyway, so we hope you enjoyed our episode on sports. It's been pretty fun. I got a lot more enjoyment out of this than I even thought I would. (laughs) Um, Looking forward to the next episode. Uh, Once again, I am Ryan. I am Josh. And we're here with Greg at In-Depth Media. Woo-woo. And if you have any questions, comments, hate mail, mainly directed towards Greg. Towards Greg. um, You can... (laughs) You can contact us over at either rumorfliespodcast.com, facebook.com slash rumorflies, at Twitter, it's at rumorflies, and Instagram, it's also at rumorflies, and then at rumorflies at gmail.com. Yes, sir. Uh, we are going to try to be as interactive as possible, so just uh, shoot us something if you want to say, hey, let us know how we're doing, um, and obviously you can check us out on iTunes or Podcast Attic, any of the other media platforms that you use to listen to podcasts. Yeah. And if you, uh, wouldn't mind dropping, you know, some kind of rating system or a comment or whatever, if you can't, if you don't want to interact with us on social media, send us an email or anything like that, that's fine. Just leave it in the comment section, either on the website or on one of the reviews. And maybe we can get to it because like we said, this is going to be about you guys. We want you guys to let us know how much you enjoyed something, how much you didn't, didn't enjoy something, how much bullshit calling on something we're saying i mean all of that is is part of why we're doing this because we want you guys to be a part of it as much as we do you know the work to put it together we're learning with you not at you exactly exactly we're, we're learning with you yeah and yeah we love that if you do guys, our legwork for us if please. there's and no if there's something you guys want to hear please feel free to send it to us. I mean, we're just kind of spitballing things at this point. We, you know, we got like a drinking episode coming up and we got some other things, you know, coming down the pipeline, but you know, we're always open to suggestions, you know, anything, whether it's, you know, video games, movies, music, blah, 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 whatever, send it to us. We'll be glad to listen to, you know, listen to what you have to say and check it out. All right. Uh, I think about wraps it up. All right. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. This episode's closing song is merit batch by the new Orleans band. I'm fine. Always be prepared